Hafidei, welcome to another episode of Real Talk brought to you by the fine folks over at Tango Theaters where we talk everything about movies. And today we have a special topic um, and it is the best movie villains ever. We're going dark. Yeah, and the reason why we are going with this topic today is because there's a new movie coming out this weekend. Speaking of dark. It's the Joker. Yeah. Wait, is it the Joker or Joker? Joker? I think it's Joker. Joker. Starring Joaquin Phoenix. Who, you know, I mean, gosh, he has played a pretty good villain uh, before in Commodus, right? Is, is that what his yeah, name Commodus. is? Yeah, Commodus. Is it Commodus? Yes. Yeah. Gladiator. Gladiator. Okay. Yeah, I guess he would be the villain. Yeah. Ah, he is the villain, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah. He's the main villain. If you... Okay, and that, that's what I hope to talk about in this, in this episode, because I was like, some of my favorite villains actually wind up not even being like pure evil the whole time. Sure, of course. But before we get into that, I mean, let's just talk about any movies that we have watched or things on uh, TiVo that we have seen lately. You watch anything, Jason? Over the okay, I, I was at Tango Theaters this past weekend, and sure. I watched a movie with Jennifer Lopez as the villain. I watched Hustlers. Okay, okay. Okay, and this is not an indictment of Jennifer Lopez's acting prowess, you know, her oeuvre as a thespian. But uh, it's a good J-Lo movie, and I don't know if that's, that's saying a whole lot. I mean, it's not as bad as Enough. It's not as good as The Wedding Planner. It's definitely not as good as Selena. Um, but Jennifer Lopez at her age, I think she's over 50 now. J-Lo is older than I am. A-Rod is younger than I, than I am. But um, she really does a good job in it. She, she sells it and she, she does well. Her and Constance Wu made a great team. Oh, really? It's a good cast. So, so I mean, the movie overall is pretty good. I mean, it's a pretty good cast. Yeah, it's 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 a good watch. I mean, and it's long. It feels long. I, like I came out of there and I was like, "Wow, man, that that couldn't have been an hour and a half." It, oh, and it's and it's based on a true story. So it was a short movie, but it felt long. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good. Is that a good thing? Well, know. okay, and it, and it basically it's a chronology of all of these events in a strip joint, and these women who wind up, you know, going from, you know, two bit exotic dancers, and they wind up actually managing this very um, choreographed heist and like a and like a scheme and they are hustling you know the clientele they drug the clientele and then they bring them to like a club and they just rack up their credit cards and you know they, they take all the money for themselves um, this is typical of uh, did you have something like that many establishments like, uh, Sandra Bullock at one time wasn't there a movie where all these women got together yeah Ocean's 8 but What's that? yeah but, well, uh, and that's a, a true heist movie oh I thought you were talking about Love Potion number 9 I was like oh, no, well. no, no, no. But yeah, it was it was good. Interesting. And Jennifer Lopez looks freaking fantastic. I mean, she's got one her her opening scene. She comes out and she does like maybe a two minute striptease. To she never gets completely nude. Okay, so you, everybody listening to this wondering, no, she does not get completely butt naked. But she looks in amazing shape. I mean, anybody that watches E News for like five minutes knows what a beast she is in the gym. Um, she looks incredible. Uh, obviously, she's a professional dancer. She's a former fly girl from In Living Color. Um, her moves are really awesome, and she does not look a day over like thirty. Yeah, she she's looks in amazing awesome. shape. She's definitely uh, winning that. But what's fight. crazy is she was dancing. She danced to uh, "Criminal" by Fiona Apple, and I was like, "There is oh, no, no way, way in hell that people are, are dollaring a stripper to people dancing to Fiona Apple." Yeah, but you know what? But Honestly, that is a Fiona that Apple. is a great song, though. You don't like "Criminal." I like that the is video. a raunchy, raunchy song. It's a great strip tease song, I would think. Have you ever seen somebody dance at a strip joint? No, but you know, I mean. Anyway, 
So I watched. Uh, I watched. Well, she made like two hundred dollars in ones, like on, on that opening <laughs> oh, number. So I was like, "Wow, dude. that's a lot of CDs." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's like a how many CDs is that? Ten CDs, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched Ad Astra, the uh, uh, Brad, Pitt, Brad Pitt, Tommy Lee Jones movie. So Brad Pitt is a uh, astronaut. Uh, and he has to go into space to save the world from some cataclysmic event that's going to happen. I don't want to give you too many details. And his father, uh, Tom Lee Jones, actually flew out to space like 20 or 30 years prior to uh, this moment. So Ad Astra, otherwise known as Space Cowboys 2? Ah, no. <laughs> but uh, this movie, was, it's, it was pretty... Like I came in like not really knowing what was going to happen. And then... Um, it was it was a long movie. It was very very slow. It has a strong ending, like a pretty powerful ending, but just the build up to it was just not worth it. Like it was just so long and like boring. Cause you know, he, like it's it's just Brad Pitt. You know, I mean, there's a couple other people in the movie that they have their roles or whatever, but like basically it's Brad Pitt trying to go to uh, Pluto, or something Pluto. like that. It's pretty wild. Like it was pretty. And then the final act just happens so quickly, and it's just kind of like, oh, gosh. Like, it was pretty, like, it came to a real beautiful conclusion, which was like, oh, that's pretty sweet, right? But then you remember that you spent two and a half hours to get there, and you're just like, well, I don't know if that was worth it. But you've watched so, a lot of, like, outer space and space travel movies. I mean, I guess. Years, I mean, I've watched a few. I don't, I don't want to say, because it's not my favorite genre to begin with, so, you know. Is that, like a, is that a thing that's... That's coming back because, like, like, look, in the last, like, three years, we've had, what, McConaughey's been in a space Yeah, Interstellar. Yeah. Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sandra Bullock. And those were, all of those, including Gravity, which the Sandra Bullock one, which yeah. won the, or which, uh, uh, what's the director's name? Alejandro de Alha or whatever. Well, he won the Academy Award for that. Yeah. So, I, you know, those are all good movies, and they are all significantly better than Ad Astra. I wouldn't say Ad Astra is a bad movie because I don't feel like it's bad, but it is very slow. It's like a slow burn. And honestly, like, you know, the ending, even though it's real poignant, it's just kind of, you know, you have to sit through two and a half hours worth of movie to get to that one point. And I, I don't think it, like, really hit the way it should have hit. I don't know. You know and you are a space travel guy, right? You like, I don't know. I don't you like, like NASA. You like the, the... No, I hate all those things. So, really? you know, maybe that's why I didn't really like the movie, because oh. you you got to really be into, like, space travel, I think, to really kind of, like... Wait, but you and I have, like, sat there, and I've watched you watching, like, those SpaceX, you know, rocket launch. You have never watched me watch a SpaceX yeah. rocket launch. Are you crazy? No, dude. <laughs> no, I, th- I thought you were a big space guy. Like, you're, you're all into NASA. Maybe. No. Oh. Dude, it was for research work. Oh. It, was, it was the other guy in the office. <laughs> what are you talking about? Man. So the destination uh, is better than the journey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the journey is just not like, it's not worth it. And because his character also is a very like unemotional character. Like because you have to pass some kind of psychological evals before you go into space like and every time you take a space trip and this is like the near future where you know they have commercial flights to mars and things of that nature so it's pretty interesting like the way they are commercial flights to the moon and then you can travel to mars and you can travel to the end of the galaxy without you know spending 80 years and travel or whatever it's Hmm. it's it's interesting but uh it's not not worth it to me maybe there just wasn't a strong enough villain in the film and that's what we're talking about today the best villains. Um, so, Jace, how do you want to start this off? Okay, well, I would like to actually defer to, because 
Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. Yep. Our own Joaquin Conception is in the room and everything like that. So, hey. so you share the namesake. So, uh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So Uncle Uncle Kim, why don't you why don't you get us started off and everything? Who's your best all time villain? All time villain? Yeah. Really? Uh, on the silver know, screen. Uh, well, discounting all those villains that are really. Um, uh, they steal the show in any James Bond movie. You know, mm-hmm. you just wondering, hey, who's going to be the next villain and, mm-hmm. and, and all that. But uh, discounting that, I like Hannibal Lecter. Okay. That's a good one. It's a good pick. Yeah. Anthony Hopkins, right? We're talking about Anthony Hopkins, or do, yeah, do we Hopkins, care about uh, any other uh, version of The original, of course. The original. There can only be one. There yeah. could only be one. I mean, he just played that. I mean, he killed that movie, man. He was like... He man. killed a bunch of people in that movie, too. <laughs> he ate some people in there. They delivered yeah. wine and stuff. But, uh, yeah. And he was so, was like... scary, man. He was, I mean, he was, he was the, the epitome of evil. Yeah. And yeah. yet, his character was, like, so unlike anything we'd ever seen up to that point in 1989. It was yeah, like, right. wow, he's actually smart. He's driven. He's focused. You know, and they, they said that there's that one line. He said, you know, when he, he attacked that one... Uh, the one survey taker and everything like that, and you know, like, and you know, literally, like, ripped out his um, uh, his carotid artery and everything like that. You know, his uh, his uh, heart rate never went above thirty five. Yeah, it's like we never saw anybody that like, methodical. Yeah, yeah, it's just another day at the office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but he, but they said in in the movie what was it uh, Red Dragon when they said uh, uh, Edward Norton says to him he goes oh you know your plan did have one flaw and he goes what's that he goes you're insane. <laughs> And is, is it not the definition of insanity to not even know that you're insane? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, he, he scared me, man. I mean, even the way he looked. Cinematography in that movie was just excellent. You know, he was pale. He was standing there. And then you have that scene where this girl, what's her name? Uh, Jodie Foster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was walking in. And it was just the way the camera was following her. And then this guy appears and his hair yeah. and everything. Standing there. And it's like... You know, it, it's it. He, he was a monster. If I can tack on an addendum to your pick, I want to say, not Hannibal Lecter, but Jane Gum, Buffalo the Buffalo Bill guy wow. in, in in Silence. That it dude was, a cartoon was scary. Character, yeah, actually, more that was or less. Really, yeah. yeah. Okay, you got no problem with a dude telling it. It puts the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. No, I don't think it would. I mean, he's not as uh, intimidating. I mean, it's one thing to you know be dancing to cue Lazarus, you know, like and basically tuck your junk and then you know make, making a dress out of yourself and like recording yourself that, that's an entirely different matter he was matter. almost a direct opposite of Anthony Hopkins as a villain yeah he, mean, was, he, out was, doing he was out of that, control yeah, you were, he was doing things that you would expect a villain to do Anthony Hopkins you did not expect what he was doing mm-hmm. or what he did throughout the movie the very first time I saw him that's a, that's a good way to get started okay I, I want to say Probably my favorite villain, and the reason why he's probably my favorite all-time villain is because he didn't stay villainous throughout, but Darth Vader. You know, the, the, it's, it's the bad guy that people could like, and when you went to go watch the Star Wars movies, there's so many people that were like Team Empire before that was like, you know, that was a big trending thing where you had to say, are, you know, are you Team Jacob? Are you Team, uh, what's the other guy from Twilight? Edward. Are you Team Edward and Team Jacob and everything like that? There were so many people that went there and they were like, I am all in with the Empire. I don't care about the Resistance. Uh, but Darth Vader wound up turning. And in the subsequent you know, Star Wars films, people went there to go watch, oh, it's Anakin Skywalker. He's like this little, he's a little cute, cute little kid. You know, he can do the pod races and everything like that. But, I mean, Darth Vader was so 
so menacing and you know he's like this six foot five all black character and he breathes weird and he's got this big booming voice of you know James Earl Jones and then you know he cuts off his son's hand and leaves him to you know to fall to the end of you know Cloud City and then he winds up you know he winds up um, yeah you know destroying his mentor to save his son and I th- for me that's why I think that character is so compelling and everything it's so, oh you know there was still some humanity left in him yeah no I, I definitely think he's like probably the most influential or most iconic villain of all time probably you know I mean but I don't know how much of that that title is given because of you know the famous like plot flip right you know like knowing that he's the father like is, at the is end that, of Empire is that reveal yeah. like the reason for his you know how infamous he is or is it just truly because the character itself is you know such a iconic villain you know mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know it's hard to separate the two you know it's just a kind of a one of one of those like in the right place at the right time kind of moments right where like you know you have just this great plot reveal plus an iconic type of character and look and mm-hmm. you know I, I mean, don't know it's just the, a perfect these, perfect storm of things you yeah know, these happens. days you go to the movies and you know and you've already seen everything and people give away the plots on reddit and you've seen everything that takes place on youtube and the trailers but in 1980 when the empire strikes back came out that one scene when darth vader's there and he's like luke i am your father everybody in the theater our jaws were on the floor yep everybody was blown away that was the hugest reveal yeah Probably, probably the biggest reveal <laughs> in cinema, uh, cinema history. It was probably. that and Who Shot JR <laughs> were the biggest moments in media. The 80s was the coming off cinema as yeah. we know it now. CGI more being in there and everything else. We got a question while we're on this villain thing. Psycho, which one was the villain? The mom or Anthony Perkins? Mm. In his mind. Or Norman Bates. Norman Bates. Yeah. Uh, well, technically, he believed he was his mom. I mean, he was committing the murders. Yeah, he, but, but we have this unknown thing as we were going through the movie, right? We, were not, we weren't really sure it was him. You had that hint here and there. Yeah. But it was always somebody else. You hear the mother talking to Norman Bates yeah. back and forth, and they, they never actually show that yeah. it was the same guy, you know, having this duality conversation. But I was just saying, it's something like more of the unknown kind of thing yeah. that, that really makes me like, whoa. This guy's scary. And they, they never really explained, like Hitchcock never explained what caused Anthony Perkins to, f- or uh, Norman Bates to flip, right? Uh, well, you know, there were consequent uh, um, uh, sequels to that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and Anthony Perkins was just playing along. He needed the money and everything else. But I think there was all the way up to Psycho 4 or something like this. And uh, it just spoiled it after the first one, you know. But it's uh, the first, part I- two was 30 years after part one, so... I would I would say it would have to be Norman Bates because I mean the mother really didn't. Yeah, but you know in that state of mind yeah. kind of thing because the mother was in his mind was responsible for killing all those people. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. So it was one and the same person. But I was just thinking your state of mind that will make you do things like that. I guess. Okay. Well, and you know it's just interesting. I, I just okay. So so by that logic, Jason Voorhees at Camp Crystal Lake um, cannot be held responsible. It's all the mom's fault. It's all it's all Pamela Voorhees. That, that's all that's all on her. I, I we can I guess we could talk a little about those two, right? Like Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger, 
Like and Michael Myers. And Michael Myers. Because okay, cause we we know from the original Halloween. Since you bring it up, what caused Michael Myers to flip was that his sister was you know changing and getting ready for like a party, stark naked in front of her vanity mirror, and he goes in there and he just loses his mind and stabs his sister to death. And like the parents come home and he's just staring dead out into space. And from that moment on, like even in the book, he's known as the Shape because you know he's no longer human. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, I, is is he really at fault? Or? It's hard for me to, like, gauge those characters because, like, you know, when you think of the villain, you think of someone who lives up to, like, an equal or even higher role than their, you know, uh, whoever they, their the antagonist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, but, you know, when you think of those movies, like, those movies are totally built around that character, right? Like, mm-hmm. the like Friday the 13th is, you know, fully... Uh, built around uh, Jason Voorhees, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street was fully built around uh, Freddy Krueger. You don't really care about who the protagonist of the film is at all, because you know, at the end of the movie, like whether or not they live or die, it doesn't matter. When the next one comes out, it'll be a new protagonist. You're only always watching probably for like the, fifteen of them. You're only always watching for the same antagonist, right? So I don't, in a way, I don't feel like they fill that villainous role completely, because although they are evil or whatever. Like, they're the, you know, main reason why you watch the show. For me, I've always thought Freddy Krueger was the, was the most villainous of all of them because in the, I mean, okay, let's break down really, really quick. In the, in the stories, Jason Voorhees... He is the most villainous. I, you know, Freddy, Freddy Krueger. Freddy. Because yeah, Jason's just doing what his mom tells him to do and he's getting revenge because basically the, the counselors go, went to go have sex in the, um, uh, in the lodge and then they leave the son unattended. He drowns and then the mom, you know... Flips, and the mom's just telling Jason what to do. Freddy has been stalking and brutalizing people ever since, and even when the town rose up and, and took him down, he comes back and he's doing the exact same thing, because that's his M.O. Well, I just said, I just feel like also a villain, you have to have more than just like, just be an intimidating figure. You know, you have to have some kind of dialogue or like story development that really strengthens that character also you're just this like flat character that really never changes and that's what jason and you know most of those uh 80s horror villains are they're just like flat characters that the protagonists have to try to find a way to overcome you know but i guess at least freddie has dialogue he speaks at least you know which is something that jason doesn't do and he's Neither creative michael he has, myers he's got a sense of humor yeah he's witty well. you know so I mean, I, in that regard, I I would say that, yeah, I guess Freddy, of the 80s villains, Freddy's the most villainous, I guess. Okay, I, I got one for you. Sure. Hans Gruber. Oh, I have Hans, but... Die see, Hard 1. <laughs> that, dude, that dude was straight up <laughs> evil. That dude was messed up. So, you know, can we just take a moment to admire how good of a villain... Uh, Alan Rickman oh, yeah. oh. was because I mean not only was he Hans Gruber but he was the Sheriff of Nottingham that's right we forgot <laughs> to mention that in the last <laughs> time <laughs> who's the Sheriff of Nottingham <laughs> oh, oh Alan Rickman <laughs> so wait and then when he was in Harry Potter was he I never watched he was uh, Snape that's the, the teacher yeah oh, okay so he's not the bad guy no but we should talk about the bad guy of Harry Potter which is Voldemort which is probably one of the main villains ever because he plays you know, directly opposite of Harry Potter throughout the entire series, which is like eight movies, right? So, 
you know, I think he's a pretty strong character, you know, finally at the end when he, and, you know, he has an interesting backstory too. So when he eventually does, like, they have their final battle, then, you know, you know there's a lot of, you know, it, emotional investment into the into the series, right? So I, I do like Voldemort as a pick. And that's not even Ralph Fiennes' most evil character. Oh, who is... What, well, Ralph Fiennes is a red dragon? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure Voldemort... I'm is, Francis Dolorhide. Oh, that dude was scary. I'm sure that Voldemort was way, way more villainous than Francis Dolorhide, though. 100%. 100%. I don't know. When you put Philip Seymour Hoffman in a wheelchair, set him on fire, and roll him down the hill, yeah, I that's mean, but pretty that's, evil right there. I mean, that's pretty evil, but, you know, like Voldemort, like he tried to destroy anyone that wasn't a pureblood. So, like, that's like, you know, we're that's talking gen- genocide. That's genocide yeah. So, I mean, it's something like on a different scale. Okay. Anyway, know? but back to Alan Rickman, though. Rest in peace, Alan Rickman, first of all. Yeah, you know, I, Hans Gruber's a good pick. I like it. It's just unfortunate. Like, And, you know, he was such a good character, they tried to tie in the brother, right? Like in part three, yeah. Jeremy Irons played uh, the brother the of brother. Hans Gruber. Yeah, that's for revenge. Yeah. Uh, clean. Which is cool. Okay, when Hans Gruber fell off the... And I always get the word Nakatomi. Yeah, Nakatomi, Nakatomi Plaza. The, Nakatomi when when he fell off the end, you know, in slow motion. Did they even say how tall of a building that was? I think eighty-eight floors or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's a long way to to go, man. That was that was an awesome movie. Maybe had the video game Nakatomi Towers video game, and you have to fight your way up the the tower. Don't. Uh, how about he was bad? I guess you know we go with Heath Ledger, right, from The Dark Knight. He was the well, not the original, but the uh, probably the most iconic Joker to date. Okay, that remains to be seen until two, until Thursday. Ah, yes, yeah. I know. mean, he set the bar really, really, really high. I mean, to be fair though, uh, Jack Nicholson set the bar really, really high too, in my opinion. Like that's when, true in the first Batman, right? Or you know, well, they get a load of me. <laughs> the first, what's what what was his name? Uh, Michael Keaton, Batman, right? Yeah. So, and I thought Jack Nicholson would never. I don't think I didn't think there'd ever be anyone better than him. But then, you know, clearly Heath Ledger is a step above Jack Nicholson's performance. Well, different writers, different script, and stuff yeah. like this, you know. But uh, yeah, Jack Nicholson, he just he was really, really good in the first one. And he had that smile too, like his yeah. smile so naturally this grin is just so wide it's just a good well joker. it's it said that the guy who directed um the joker the movie that's coming out this week is he was a student and a disciple of uh martin scorsese and he was even critical of scorsese because he said you know for the last 20 years all your movies have been you know all right you know you've you finally won awards you've made your money and everything like that but it didn't get you to where what made you truly great is you did these character study pieces this isn't Raging Bull. This isn't Taxi Driver anymore. You know, you've done a whole bunch of other, you know, creative auteur pieces and everything like that. Mm-hmm. He goes, I want to actually get back to what made Scorsese great. And I want to do a character study on Joker and show this incredible sociopath. Mm-hmm. And again, what made him snap? I think that's cool. But I don't think that that guy, no matter what, I don't even know what other movies this guy did. But there's no way he can be critical of like Martin Scorsese's last five Five to ten years. He, well, he was his understudy, so yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he can he can snipe at him a little bit. I mean. Oh, can he? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like yeah, man. You know, I don't know about you Shutter know. Island or or The Departed or any other movie that's you know you've made in the past ten years. You know, and 
Scorsese is probably looking at him like, uh, yeah, like, okay, the, well, what did you do, bro? Does <laughs> like, BJ Armstrong have the right to criticize Jordan? That's on, you know, what like I'm saying, you know? Yeah. Exactly. That's crazy. I can't, I don't, he didn't say that, did he? You just it made did. it up. You just made this up. No, no, he didn't. He really? Yeah. I, I'm going to find that interview because that is so rude and ostentatious. It's ridiculous. All right, what else we got? I mean, it makes it, it makes a great marketing plug for for why you should. Go I mean, I I I'm, I hope Joker is a good movie. It looks like it will be okay. really good. Well, here's two characters from comic books. Again, the the thing that draws me to them is I don't. I think they're they're villainous and they're real bad guys. They've they've been responsible for a whole lot of death, but I don't necessarily think they're evil. Are Apocalypse from X Men: Age of Apocalypse and Thanos from the Avengers movies. They believe that what they're doing, there's a point to it. I mean, yeah, they're committing mass genocide, but they believe that they're, they're wiping out people that are, for whatever reason, unfit or just unworthy of repopulating the earth with a, you know, to, be, to make it like a better planet. I mean, Apocalypse even says, you know, like, we'll, we'll wipe the planet clean and build a better one. He believes that he's doing, you know, the the work of of a god or of God. So you know, I I agree. I like Thanos as a pick. I think he is really like probably the biggest villain ever in the comic cinematic universe kind of stuff, right? Like movie. I mean, he's megalomaniacal, no, no doubt. He's altruistic, right? Like, I mean, yes. So, but. And I, I think that's interesting because, you know, he's not, like, necessarily, like, 100% bad. Like, there's a gray area of, like, what he really wants, right? Oh, he is compassionate. He loves yeah. his daughters. Yeah. So, he also uses them. He's manipulative. For sure. Uh, but, you know, and he knows at what cost. Like, you know, he's willing to pay the cost, too. So I think he's a pretty developed character. I think Thanos is, is an interesting character. I don't think he's just, like, a flat type of character. But I think Apocalypse is very flat. And, you know, unfortunately... In the comic books, Apocalypse is a pretty uh, interesting character. Like, he's really developed, and there's, like, a lot of nuance to, to his decision-making and, and his personality. But that's totally lost in all the Fox X-Men series. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally, like, just kind of glossed over. He was the first mutant. And it's unfortunate that it's kind of glossed over. And I, I think, uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's, I think they, they really did him a disservice in the movie. So... Would yeah. you, would you well, actually now that I think about it, it's like okay, those, those are really good characters because they've got really interesting stories, but they never really touch upon an apocalypse story. Like, but I really. would say Magneto is probably like yeah. even better of a villain. Yeah, Magneto's probably the better pick of all of them, yeah. I would think. So, and he too, I mean, and again, you know, you take and Stan Lee said he didn't deliberately lift from from current events of the day, but when he developed the characters of Professor Xavier and Magneto, he was basically taking. You know what was going on with the civil rights movement, and you have you know Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. You know one wants to resolve um, mm. societal problems by diplomatic means; another is completely militant, and it's like, hey, let's let's attack them before they attack us because they're going to attack us. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I think I think those are good choices. I got a couple here. How about Agent Smith from The Matrix? That's a good one. Hugo Weaving, right? Like. Always the one guy that pops up in every movie, and you know that ultimately they're going to reach this point where they they have to face off the ultimate face off. And I think, like, you know, he, that character was necessary to build the hype and value of Neo in the film. 
Like you cannot have the one without having the many Agent Smiths. Like you need the opposite, right? You need that juxtaposition. And like that defines everything that the Matrix really is, you know? This this battle between two like opposite forces. So, you know, and Hugo Weaving is just such a great actor too. So it's my pick. He was good because he represented everything that is about a pure computer program. It was logic, it was structure, it was predictability. Yeah. And and he has absolutely no concept of choice. Like when Neil was, he's, Mr. Anderson, why do you persist? You know, he's in the rain and, you know, he's, he's beat the guy more than any human being can ever, like, take. And he goes, because I choose to. And, you know, he just gets so enraged and he was like, you know, one... I don't know what that is, and two, I think I'm starting to understand why you do this, and I'm so pissed off because I don't have that. Mm. But I you can't know, get, this matrix disgusts me, and I can't get out of here because I'm, you know, he realizes he, he's very self-aware. Yeah, and I think it's a very interesting like development, character development between the two main characters, right? Because Neo is kind of knows nothing, right? And as the series continues, he becomes more aware or he has gets a greater understanding of not only who he is but the world or the matrix and everything that uh, he has to deal with but on the other hand agent smith he starts off knowing so much like you know knowing the inner workings of the matrix and how to exploit and use it to his full advantage but then as the series progresses he realizes the constraints of the world he lives in and he becomes a uh more adaptable character as he like learns all these different things and he the virus he's a virus pretty much right and he pretty much just develops and mutates in a way that makes him more more human i think as the as the uh and more emotional as the series progresses towards its end you know so i, re- I really man you know the matrix is really ahead of its time in terms of a, a movie trilogy. I think it really had some interesting developments and ideas. It just, and you know, it it was great um, uh, technology in terms of like you know CG and you know the the different camera effects they used at the time. And I think that maybe overshadowed a lot of the actual depth of the story. So you know, unfortunately, and it's still a great series. Mm-hmm. You got another one, Uncle Ken? Jack Torrance. Ah. Shining. Jason never watched The Shining. I've never watched The Shining. I've never really? watched Stanley Kubrick's best work. You should watch that. that. You should. You should watch The Shining. That's pretty good, man. That's very good acting there by Jack Nicholson. Haven't he was? And the, and the messed up thing is, I know like all the parts just you know from reading about it and from you know just I've never read the book. And either. you never even read the book. No, I know the whole red rum thing. I know you know the two twins standing mm. in there and you know the elevator opening and all the blood coming out. Of course, everybody knows you know here's Johnny, but <laughs> I've never actually seen the. I, I've seen the ending a bunch of times, like on cable, is you know like Jack's just like sitting there, you know, f- freezing, and all of a sudden they go to the picture and everything. But yeah, man, uh, there's actually the new there's part two to The Shining coming out part um, two yeah it's called Dr. Sleep I think it's called Dr. Sleep or Mr. Sleep I think it was Dr. Sleep Ewan McGregor plays uh gosh Danny is that the son's name Danny yeah. Torrance he plays Danny Torrance as an adult and I think uh ultimately they have he and like a bunch of other people who have these like you know they can see supernatural stuff they have to go back to uh the it's the resort yeah it's called Dr. Sleep I think so mm-hmm. this is the first I heard of that but, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Jack Nicholson did not win an Academy Award for that movie. No, he didn't. But that was after he had already won for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, because yeah. that was like in the late 70s. Yeah. But it, it cemented its, its place in you know, cine, cinematic history. What was uh, the symbolism of, of the picture? Like when it's, it, when it's zooming into there and, and Jack is already part of like that portrait of like with the staff of the hotel. Is that yeah, just yeah. like he's always been there? Or? No, actually he was there to write a book. He was there to write a novel and it was during some season when nobody else was there. So because he's a writer and everything, well, uh, distinguished writer, um, they gave him the hotel. He could use that to you know, concentrate and write. That's such a, a Stephen King thing to do. Yeah. Dude, that was an awesome movie, actually. That's pretty... It's very good. Very good acting. What's uh, Olive Oil's real name? That's <laughs> uh, a wife. Uh, I forgot her name. Gosh, she, she was good in the role, too. Olive Oil. <laughs> yeah, Funny so how you... Robin Williams. <laughs> you remember her character oil, right? name, yeah. right? But, uh, yeah, I forgot her name. Uh... <laughs> All right, I got a couple more. How about... Uh... Robert Patrick. Oh, Shelly Duvall. Duvall. Shelly Duvall. Duvall. Is yeah. that Robert's I don't think sister? So. No, I don't think they're really. I don't think so. T-1000, uh, Robert Patrick in T-2. Okay. Again, again I'm going to go back. Then to later on. I would probably say Arnold because he was the bad guy in part one. And then. Yeah, it's but not, he's it's not, not the, the bad guy in part two or three. Or, yeah, it's the exact same program. It's just been rewritten. Yeah. But, you know, same, same endoskeleton. Yeah. Same, but, you know. Different, yeah, but the, yeah, the t, dude, the T one thousand could not be stopped for two hours and forty five yeah. minutes in that movie. Even like, when he blew how? up, when even when they put him in the nitrogen, he blew up and he became like a liquid metal, and he just came, came back, back together. together. Yeah. <laughs> but they finally got him because what they used like the uh, the grenade launcher, and they blew, and like he was like kind of disoriented, and, and then they kicked the, him into the lava, yeah. or no, the lava, the, the molten, the molten slag steel, yeah. whatever that's called. Yeah, that was cool too. Have you seen John Connor? <laughs> oh, like, dude! The, actually, the worst part for me is when like he would put his finger there and like he stabbed um, Sarah Connor like uh, right through the call to John now. And I was like, oh, dude, come on, man! No, don't put that thing in her eye. Come on, man. Yeah. Okay. How about actually the funny part about T- the part that I was cracking up in T one thousand is when you know because he, he can obviously he's liquid metal and I love that part when they actually gave like the exposition. He's like. And Arnold's, you know, I, I, the story behind that too is Arnold only said like sixty words in the entire film. So when you right. really? when you work it out, he got like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a word. He's like, he has a thinking machine, the T one thousand. He can only make simple shapes, not complex machines. <laughs> but like when when he's phasing like through the through the bars in the prison, and then all of a sudden the handgun go like gets caught, uh, click, and he's like, oh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> No, Dude, I like. Oh man! So many different ways. Like the part when like he threw him up against the wall and like he slammed there and like he immediately like turned around and it was like the, uh, what the cop with like the motorcycle mm-hmm. helmet. I was like, Dude, this guy cannot do. Like he goes into like into the helicopter and yeah, he in, yeah, it was, yeah. oh, that was so crazy. Man, man, gosh, we got to do it. The final. TX sucked. Yeah, the girl. Yeah, yeah. All the Terminators. Sorry, feminists. I'm just gonna say, so. but. Yeah, even no, even like the future ones, like you know how um, Sam Worthington played the cyborg that protects John Connor in the future and Terminator Salvation. Like, 
even that was pretty lame yeah. but we definitely got to do an arnold uh episode because there's too many he has too many good lines you know? okay i've got two more and they both uh they both originate from sports movies uh one is probably something that nobody out there would pick but i'm gonna say the great ed o'neill for what for everybody everybody knows him as um, al bundy from mm-hmm. married with children but he was in this little movie with Rick Moranis called Little Giants, and he was Kevin O'Shea of the O'Shea Brothers, football hero. Nah, that doesn't count. He's not a villain. <laughs> no, he's, he's not the a bad villain. guy. He's a bad guy. I mean, he's, he's not, not, he's not, not evil, but he is definitely the, the antagonist. Yeah, yeah, for most, yeah, I guess. Wait a minute. Fumble? Fumble Ruski? Fumble Ruski! <laughs> Dude, the guy's beating his own daughter against like his brother to say like, okay, if you if you win, you get to take over my used car dealership, which by the way is only successful because it's me and I'm a college football star. My name is up on the on the town's water tower. And remember, like at the end, he goes, hey. "I can't believe you picked this movie." But it, I, you know, I like Little Giants. Dude, Little so Giants is glorious, man. What was the thing? Annexation of Puerto Rico is the that annex- the movie? It's yeah. the biggest play in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is a what is a better sports movie play between the annexation of Puerto Rico, what, the flying Giants, V, the flying V in Mighty Ducks? Um, what other ones do they have? Can't think of any other. The air up there. Oh, Mambo! Mambo. It was like this killer turnaround alley oop from like from wait was that a flying V was, was, was pretty was, dope. Was that Tony Dodd? Was that um was that Candyman? Was the bro- was oh that, I don't know. Was not the brother? No, that was not no, the brother. No, that's not no. But the Flying V was pretty pretty dope for in terms of a finishing sports move. That yeah, until they tried to do it in part two, and they're like, Flying V! And then they went there, and the guys, like Iceland, just like wiped all those guys out. They just ran right over him. Okay, but yeah, I would say uh, Kevin O'Shea, and, because he was just like, this guy will do anything, anything to win. All right. Including, I like that movie. I can't hate. I, I, I like Little Giants. So that was including, a great movie. and I, I don't care who you like, Lawrence Taylor... J.J. Watt, um, Patrick Willis, the greatest defensive players to ever play the game. None of those guys could the, hold, the could hold a ticket to the icebox. <laughs> Dude, the icebox brought the wood, bro. That was so dumb. That was so funny. Wait, was, icebox was a girl. No, icebox it was a girl, was... right? Wait, is her name Refrigerator? It's Icebox. No, right? it's Icebox. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But, um, okay, what was the other sports movie on? Okay, um, it's, this goes back to our previous podcast about Stallone. This one's kind of obvious, but even though Apollo Creed was not... Ne- Apollo Creed was definitely the villain. Not evil, but in a, uh, speaking of megalomaniacal, just absolutely ego-driven. I'd count him. I, I would count it. I guess. I guess. And because everybody loved Rocky... Guess the biggest antagonist, right? And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like... like it was, even back then, it wasn't like a racial thing, so it wasn't like, okay, are you divided between, you know, are you, are you African-American, are you Italian, are you black, are you white, and everything like that. It was just like the story of Rocky drew you in so much that you had to be anti-Apollo. You wanted Apollo to lose. That's right. You needed that guy yeah. in that movie. And it's why when Apollo like finally became his friend in part three and actually showed up and said, I want to train you to go get this guy. Let's go beat Mr. T. Everybody loved Apollo so much. And again, it's the character turn that really drew me to that character. He's like, wow, he's actually a good guy. Ultimately, that's what got him killed in part four because his ego got the best of him. And, and Dolph Lundgren just, you know, Oh, just you've never seen more destructive body shots. All right, I got two more. One, I, I'm gonna name this first one that I don't know if you guys would know. Do you, you guys watch The Professional? 
I sure did. With Jean, Jean Reno. So I like uh, Norman Stansfield, right? Played by Gary Oldman. Norman Stansfield's the main cop, right? The corrupt cop who uh, hunts down Jean Reno throughout the movie. Wait, this is a sports movie? No, no. no oh, the no, villain. Uh, yeah, this the, is the, the assassin. Professional. The, the yeah. assassin movie, yeah. 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 And then uh, finally Natalie gets him. Yeah, Natalie Portman, Portman yeah. <laughs> and his favorite line is where he tells... So, like, they corner him in the apartment. They corner Jean Reno and Natalie Portman in the apartment. So they're sending all these, like, cops and SWAT agents up to the building, but... You know, he's, like, disabling them or killing some of them. So he tells, like, you know, he's a frustrated detective, and he tells, like, uh, one of the guys, like, get me everybody. And the guy's like, what do you mean, everyone? <laughs> and he just yells, like, everyone, get me everyone, right? And then, dude, that was so awesome. Like, and he was such a crazy character. The next scene, all oh, the entire police force. Yeah. That, that's a great movie. That, that's a man. Like, Natalie Gary Portman Oldman, was, like, 11 years old or something when she when she made that film. And so, I, okay. I Gary Oldman. And it was Gary Oldman. And he's just such a great actor. Should great Gary villain. Oldman be considered the villain in Bram Stoker's Dracula? good question yeah that's a good question very good question because you can say that Sir Anthony Hopkins was yeah. the bad guy because he was he was hunting him down Van Helsing yep Van Helsing yeah. I don't know I don't know it's a good question that's a tough one and I would, I would think Hard I would think you would be attracted to that because Hannibal Lecter's got the same charismatic nature and you know and he's got that he's got he's intelligent he's <laughs> He's seductive. He's uh, yeah. He has that charisma. He's got demure thing, to but, him. But Dracula, Bram Stoker's Dracula was actually a love story, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that that changes everything. Well, maybe you could say Hannibal Lecter had this thing for that spy or the FBI agent. What's her name? Jodie Foster. Maybe you could say something fly like that. Fly away, little starling. Fly, fly, fly. There's some fly, attraction fly. there, if you will. But yeah. this one is a pure love story, and he was doing all this because. Uh, of his love for his wife that was killed by and uh, Catholic Church came in there saying no everything's fine and everything else found out that she committed suicide because she thought that because they also died. lied to yeah, her so they lied to her so that's you know that I guess it's what a man would do for the person that he or she loves kind mm-hmm. of thing I mean the guy renounced God yeah but that's why for was, his I, for the love of his life but we know why see but but that's 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 where the differences between him and Hannibal Lecter was it was that I don't know it's hard to explain mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know about that that's why I was asking you earlier but Dracula um, qualified for that because I, he he came to mind but I was probably struggling a little bit counts, I think it counts I think it counts. Okay, well, in Underworld, since we're talking about vampires, the vampires are the bad guys. Yeah. Well, they aren't. They are. Yeah, I don't because know. Celine right. is, is yeah, Celine's Celine's a vampire. Obviously, she's a vampire. She's not a bad guy. Yeah. I mean, there's the the hierarchy is the bad guys, right? So. Oh yeah, be- well, because the, the werewolves were like you know the, they were the castoffs and. Oh, but half vampire, half lichen, but stronger than both. Dude, I love Underworld, man. Dude, that that Dude, series is so trashy. No, I cannot yeah, believe no, you. That's, like, oh, no. The series is, part one was epic. Part, I, I mean, part one, I, I remember just hearing the premise from Dave Delgado, our sports director, and he was, he was like, man, there's a new movie out. It's vampires versus werewolves. And I was like, really? 
I have to look into this. And I was, man, I was sold on moment one. Yeah, the sequel is not so much. All right, my final one. And this one's kind of like on the fence just because like... Please uh, don't say a star is born. No, it's uh, the usual suspects, Kaiser Soze. Okay. Simply because you don't know who Kaiser Soze is. You just know that he's like this super one of the colors, right? manipulative, evil guy figure you know what i mean and when you do figure out when they ultimately do reveal who it is you're like wow that was that was awesome and that that's still probably one of the best movie reveals of all time because he basically punks everybody including the audience yeah that was awesome you could say by the same token that because we're talking about kevin spacey and you know completely outside of you know the allegations that he faces now but you could say the same thing if not more for john doe and seven sure Yep. Yeah. But yeah. No, you he could. Was, he was more nefarious in, in seven. You could. You could. I, I shoot. Wow. I, I, didn't, I didn't think about that. That's true. But yeah, I, Kaiser. I mean, how, how, did, how did they actually figure out it was him in the end? Because all you see is like he's walking away towards the cab. Do, 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 do. Like the, and, then, and then all of a sudden, like he's looking at all these objects and like a thing. And it's like. No, because uh, so uh, what is that guy's name? There's like a bird. Chaz Palminteri is yeah. his name? So Chaz Palminteri is the detective who uh, interrogates uh, Verbal Clint, right? That's the guy's name, Verbal Clint. And he's just a talker. And that's played by Kevin Spacey. And, you know, he asks Verbal Clint to give him a story about all that has happened and culminated in the death of all these people, right? The death of all these criminals. And so they sit together in Chaz Palminteri's office and then, you know, uh, Kevin Spacey, you know, narrates the entire story that is the usual suspects of like what happened and, you know, that led up to this boat with all these dead people on it. And uh, when they release him, uh, it's not until Chaz Palminteri looks at the wall, like he has a wall behind him of like open cases and news feeds, and all the names are like names that Kevin Spacey read throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a f- uh, friend like Mr. Kobayashi or whatever that was supposed to be like the lawyer. It's like a like, burning a cigarette. Thing. Then he's like, oh, there's Mr. Marlboro over yeah. there. And then when he looks at the cup, I think it, I think it was in his mug, like the coffee mug at the bottom of the mug. It said Kobayashi or something. Yeah. So yeah, he knew that he got like. Those are yeah. Easter eggs in the movie. Are, are they, or was it? No, they are. So throughout the movie, uh, you know, the story is just embellished with a bunch of these details. And at the end of the movie, they explain. It ties know, it all together. You know, like Dominates. he's looking at all yeah. these things on the wall, and then they're just playing the sound bite of, you know, Verbal Clint saying like, oh, yeah, this, 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 you know. That was good. Okay, I've done, uh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about it now. I've got one last one, um, and I want to go old school Hollywood. The character that represented the ultimate evil when she, and this is, this is a female character, when she finally died and in a very, very violent way, the crowd went nuts in approval. The Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yeah. Okay. She had a house fall on her and all you see was like the two feet there and people were applauding in approval. I was like, what a way to go. Even even back then, I mean that was a, that was a violent ending, to uh, to essentially what was like a family movie. But if, I mean, it, Wicked Witch of the West was like you know that was so far beyond what what villainous meant. It counts. Yeah, it counts. 
That was kind of an anticlimactic. I, yeah, I, know, <laughs> I, was, I was like, I thought I had a good point to make. Uh, <laughs> we go from Kaiser Soze to that. It's less Sorry. cool than Kaiser Soze, but I guess it counts, yeah. Um, you know, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Real Talk. Uh, as always, you can catch us every week. Real Talk is brought to you by the fine folks at Tango Theaters. And uh, be sure to try out the TiVo experience, uh, experience um, you know, from Docomo Pacific. You know, experience um, all the TV programming you love. Uh, features 150 plus hours of HD recording capacity. Um, that's enough for like... 300 episodes of your favorite TV show if you wanted to um, and you can or also like Titanic five times <laughs> <laughs> or you know the, remember it also has different features there's watch TV everywhere uh, there's view it on demand where you can spend a premium price like two ninety nine to watch some of the newer movies that are out like Aladdin I watched Aladdin the Will Smith Aladdin over the weekend uh, on view it and, did, you, uh, did you stick around for the DJ Khaled part at the end? Of course, oh, the man. best part. You know, best part you can record it too, and you, just, you know, had, you know, thanks to the TiVo, and as well as pay per view, so you can get the latest events like the next Manny Pacquiao boxing fight or the next UFC or anything of that nature. So, until next time, happy movie. Happy movie.